If you have the YouVersion app, the verses are already loaded up for you. Just go to your YouVersion app, go to the bottom, find events, find Cedars Church, and it's already there for you. Um, I just want to say to you that uh, I, I, we are blessed. Laura just did a phenomenal job last week and um, just so blessed to have a staff that comes around and encourages us this way. For the community, glad to have you here. We're in a series called Sustenance. And um, uh, the reason why that becomes important is because um, it is a foundational part of who we are. Is do we believe that we have a God that we have a God who sustains us. That we have a God who, by the way, says that man lives by more than bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so in that, do we believe that all the things he gives to us, all the things even Carol just talked about, that this idea that God just goes, look, I sustain you. And so we've been talking about that. And uh, last week, Laura talked about the fact that he sustains us through the word. And the idea, as Tim talked about, we sustains us through prayer. And this, this, this idea of like, do I believe, do I believe that God sustains me? That it's not by myself and not pulling myself up by my own bootstraps and not all these other things that this takes place. Today's message is where the rubber meets the road because it becomes this very outward way in which we say, yes, God, I see that you sustain me. Now, some people are going to say, oh, it's the money talk. No, it's not. Sorry, it's not. It's about you understanding something deeper. And let me just say this to you. Um, I am not one of you think, oh, Jeff's going to be talking about whether or not I trust God with my finances and my needs. See, it comes down to this. It can be very much that the church stands up and goes, oh, we're the recipient of those things. No. So you're the recipient of when you trust God and then God shows up. Now I'm going to block that out in a little bit. We'll walk it through and we'll make it all come together. But this is not a money, this is not a talk about money. This is at a core element of do you understand this relationship with God that he sustains you? Meaning that you are taking your eyes off of your need to sustain yourself. Taking your eyes off of your need to make sure that you get the next thing and get the promotion and get this stuff and make sure you have your 401k and make all this. And do you sit in this place that says, my God has me. Has me. And my hope is at the end, you didn't walk away going, oh, great, another money talk. You walk out of here today going, wow, I have to wrestle with these facts. And I have to wet wrestle with these truths. Now, I'm going to give you the very words of Jesus today. So if you're going to argue, argue with him. Don't send me an email. Here we go. All right. So in this, I want to say that we have been defining sustenance every week. Means of support, maintenance, and subsistence. This is just literally out of the dictionary. That's where we get food, provisions, also nourishment. Number two, the act of sustaining, the state of being sustained. Again, this is when I take care of my kids. They just know that there's food on the table. Again, it's a supplying and being supplied in the necessities of life. We're going to talk about that specifically today. Something that gives support, endurance, or strength. So here comes God's word. And he said to his disciples, now listen to me, you need to understand something when I, that very first word. He said to his disciples, this is not just to someone 
who is listening. This is to disciples. These are people that have taken the step to say, God, not only are you my Savior, but I've given all to you. This is the group that he says, unless you're willing to take up your cross daily and walk with me, you cannot be my disciple. So again, this is not an attender. This is not a regular person who just comes to church. This audience is those that are going, yes, you're my Lord and my Savior. You're my sustainer. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, and what you will put on. This is Jesus speaking. Do not be anxious. Oh, I mean, what am I going to wear? And, and, and what am I going to eat? And, and what is going to happen here? And we have this anxiety of like, I, I got to make all these things happen. And I got to lay out all of these issues. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They neither store, they neither storehouse nor, uh, they have neither storehouse or barn. And yet God feeds them. Oh, how much more value are you, are you than the birds? Exclamation point. God's taking care of ravens. What I like to call the rat of the sky. He takes care of ravens. And he goes, aren't you more precious than birds? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to the, to the span of life? Okay, how, where are my warriors? It's okay. I'm only going to yell at you a little bit. Where are my warriors? Get your hands up. There you go. All right. And the thing is, is that there's a part of us that just believes in our core that if I worry about this, somehow I'm going to affect the outcome. I'm I'm just being honest with you. I've been there. If I just worry about this, if if I dwell on this, if I sleep, if I don't sleep tonight and I think on this, I can somehow control the outcome, which we all know in our gut is wrong, yet we still do it. Watch this. I love this line. If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, add an hour to your life. Who, why are you anxious about the rest? Why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So here's the thing. He's already gone after our clothing. He's already gone after our food. And yes, he goes after our shelter. Which, by the way, we spend so much time making sure we're clothed, fed, and secure. And, God go, he, and Jesus is saying, God has you. He has you. And do not seek what you are to eat and you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. These are not wants. He's aware. Now between Jody and I, Jody is far more aware of my boys' needs, but I figure they still need to eat at least once a day. I'm happy when I got him to church clothed. Jody was not really happy with the outfit, but I got him here clothed. Even as a dad who couldn't pay attention to that, I know they still need to be fed and they still need to be clothed. And listen, he knows that you need them. God is not unaware unaware of your needs and God is not ignoring your needs. 
Your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. There you go. That's the focus. To the audience, which is his disciples, he is saying this. If your focus comes off of this idea of trying to get clothed and fed and shelter and drink, if your focus goes to how do I make his kingdom go forward, God goes, I'll take care of all this. If you will give your heart to this idea that the kingdom needs to go forward, then I can take care of all of this. But, watch this, if you put your focus on the food, focus on the clothes, focus on the shelter, God goes, then your focus is not on the kingdom, and therefore you struggle. Now let me say this to you. I believe there's a lot of believers who are struggling financially, And they're looking to God, going, God, where are you? And God's response is, your eyes are not on the kingdom. Let me say that to you again. There's a lot of people that struggle because instead of their focus being on the kingdom, being on the thing that matters to God, they're worrying about these things that he goes, I can take care of those like that. But because you put your focus over there and not on the kingdom, you're going to struggle. When you take your eyes off of those things, put them on the kingdom, all of a sudden he takes care of the rest. But we rarely want to test him in that. We rarely want to test him in that. I'm going to jump down to verse 34 because he says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this is where people get into money. No, no, no. That's not the point. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Meaning, if my treasure is the kingdom of God and all that will come through the kingdom of God, then that's where my focus goes. That's where my energy goes. Now, I can talk about your money, meaning this. Give me a few minutes to look through your checkbook. Give me a few minutes to go through your statement, and I will tell you where your treasure is. I just will. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I'm just going to tell you that when I watch people who have made this flip where they stop worrying about the food and the clothes and the shelter and start worrying about the things of God and all of a sudden I watch them go, it's crazy. He's taking care of all this. My uh, oldest is living at home. Why? Because he's living at home because he's doing school. We've made this rule with him. You, you are at home. You're focused on school. We'll take care of the rest. You guys understand that concept? We don't want him to have to worry about all these other things. So if he's in school, we take care of that. And so he knows he can come home and there's food in the fridge and there's a washing machine and there's things to be done. Does that make sense? Like it's not, it's like, because it's what you're focused on. There's going to be a point, point where he will leave. We'll have to worry about all those things. What I hope he does when he leaves our home is not worry about those things. I hope he worries about the kingdom of God. Because Ethan has watched his mother and I be blessed over and over again because our eyes are on the kingdom. This is not me patting myself on the back. These are godly men and women in my life who taught me this at an early age. When I put my focus on the kingdom, it's amazing. God is taking care of our shelter. And you all don't know the stories over and over again, but those who've been around me know the stories that God has showed up in miracle after miracle after miracle and taking care of us. He just has. And people are like, when they hear, when they hear what, it, what has happened for us to be in the Bay Area, they're like, that doesn't happen. And I'm like, it doesn't happen unless God shows up. When we moved from Southern California up here 
and said that Jody was going to be a stay-at-home mom, which, by the way, I have no problem with people working, but Jody wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. They're like, you're not going to make it on one income. Definitely not on a pastor's income. Uh, we've been here uh, 19 years. Oh, you'll never own a house. Oh, Okay. God just keeps showing up because if I put my focus on the house, if I put my focus on the stuff, then I lose. But if I put my focus on the kingdom, God goes, I have houses, folks. I have storehouses of food. My boys haven't lacked for anything. Maybe they haven't even done everything they wanted to do, but they haven't lacked for anything. Folks, God has so much for us if our focus is in the right place. But I wonder how many of us believers are not experiencing God because our eyes are not on the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That is Matthew 6, 33. So, Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. And so many of us want to go, well, look at this, and look at this, and I have this, and this is in this bank, and this is in this trust, and I have this and this property, and I have this. And he goes, okay. But that's not the place where your treasure should be. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Our focus is so narrow, narrow-sided. It's just like right here. And he goes, no, see the bigger picture. See a bigger thing that you can put up into heaven. And by the way, that's not finances. It's your fellow man. It's those around you going, look, they're the ones that are going with you, not your bank account. Lay for yourself treasures that are going to be eternal. I'm telling you, I promise you, when you're standing on streets of gold, no one is going to be impressed with what was in your 401k. Do you hear me? When everything around you is made of jewels, no one's going to be going, you had how much in your savings account? You lived in what kind of house? Because you'll be standing in a house that Christ made. But if our eyes keep thinking that the things of this earth are going to satisfy, then it's amazing how much we struggle. It's amazing when our eyes can get off of these things. Like if you just go, he's got it. He's going to take care of it. I'm going to go after the kingdom. I'm going to go after those in my inner circle. I'm going to go after those around me. If you go after them, all of a sudden you will find out. And I've watched it happen over and over and over again. I've had people come to me and they said, hey, we just decided that we were going to tithe and we were going to give and we were going to do this. And he goes, here's the thing. Our math has not changed in the sense that no more money's coming in. But here's the weird thing. It's never happened before. All of our bills are paid. We didn't have the money to tithe. We didn't have the money to give. But all of a sudden, we started putting our, literally our treasure where our heart was, and all of a sudden, uh, everything's taken care of. And I've watched that happen again and again. But for us, I'm telling you, this is hard because now we're getting into pocketbook and we're getting into fears. And man, if I don't have control of this and if, if, if I don't protect this at all, I could, be, I could be done with. And God's going, okay, 
but you're going to miss the blessing of me showing up and making sure that you are clothed and fed and housed. Luke 16, 13. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Can't. You cannot have your mind on the things of the kingdom and instill in this whole thing, got to make sure that I got to keep this whole money thing going. The fact is you will split yourself. You will never be happy with either one. And the fact is it will become a dismal process. I love it when I watch men come to me and they realize that their job is no longer the thing that feeds their family. Their job is their mission field. That their job is the place that God has given them to actually interact with those around them. Where all of a sudden, we get to see this happen. The story that comes to mind was a guy named Travis. Uh, and uh, so in this, uh, he was a guy that went to jail, went to prison, and got out of jail. And there was one guy that was hiring convicts. He would just hire convicts. And the, the guy that hired convicts would say, don't they steal from me? He goes, yep. Why do you do it? Because someone needs to help them. But his, his role was this. With Travis, it was this. I'm going to pick you up, and I'm going to take you home. And we're going to talk about Jesus all the way to work, and we're going to talk about Jesus all the way to your house. And Travis goes, I watched the other convicts steal from this guy. He goes, but here's the thing. It was like the guy was printing money. We couldn't steal enough to keep him down. Why? Because the guy's focus was not on making sure he protected the junk in this world that's going to rust. He was trying to save the lives of young men coming out of prison who needed hope. Now, in that process, God goes, listen, I'm going to take care of this guy because his heart is right. The other one is a doctor friend of mine who my many times to the hospital when I was in high school, many, many times to the hospital, this doctor would come and he paid for my medical bills. In the recession back in the 80s, when everything else was closing up, he was opening up, literally opening up medical facilities. When other medical facilities were closing up, Why? Because this is a doctor that would take, this is before the, the, the wall fell. This is a doctor that would take three months of his summer, go to Russia and take care of orphans in the name of Jesus. And his doctor friend goes, you can't leave your practice for three months. He goes, it'll be fine. And while they were closing, he was expanding. Listen to me. When our focus is in the right place, God goes, I have resources. Don't think I don't. Just so we're all aware, he made gold. He knows where it's at. And he knows how to get it. You cannot serve. That's the word. It comes down to what you serve. If you serve your checkbook, then it's your master. If you serve God, it's amazing what happens. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, watch this, so that in all sufficiency, in all things, 
at all times you may abound in every good work. Now, I need to read that to you again. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So watch this. Go backwards. He wants you to do good work. So guess what he's going to do? He's going to take care of all these things at all times. Why? Because if you're not worried about all these things at all times, you're going to do better work. If I walk into a situation and I'm worried about my bottom line, then my focus is split to where if I could just walk in and go, God's got it, I'm going to come in and give my all, God goes, that's what I can work with. But again, I can't go working with you if you're going to be fighting the wheel on me when God's trying to take us to a place of service and we're trying to pull ourselves into a place where he'll take care of us financially. Proverbs 23, 4 through 5. Do not toil in a, uh, to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. Watch this. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You just said what to the American dream? Let me read it to you again. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. What? When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. As soon as you're like, oh, there's wealth. I'm going to put, oh, it's gone. So again, it's about focus. If that becomes your focus, as soon as you make it your focus, it can be gone. It can be gone. And we've put all this energy and all this hope, and again, this thing that is not going to sustain us. Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches of his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And my God will supply every need of yours. By the way, the context of this is that they just given sacrificially to take care of Paul in prison. And Paul's writing back and he goes, God's got you because you focused and took care of the things of God. You cared more about the kingdom than a latte. I don't know what the latte situation was back in the city of Philippi. All I know, if you've not had a good Turkish coffee, you have not lived. Saying. But in this, isn't it amazing? He goes, I will supply every need. I will supply every need. So let me give you one miracle that has happened to me. Uh, my dad was a truck driver. Uh, my mom worked as a receptionist at a law firm. And um, when I chose to go to Bible college, uh, they looked at what it was going to cost, and I could see on their faces, you ever that moment where they're trying to be strong? <laughs> Yay, you're going to college! And then they saw how much it was going to be per unit, and then their faces fell. And then my parents looked at me and they said, Jeff, we can't pay for college. All we can do is pay your car insurance every month, and that's about it. We weren't ready for you to go to college. Because guess what I've been saying all my life? I'm going to be a truck driver. My dad goes, don't need to be going to college to be a truck driver, right? (laughs) That's all I wanted to be. Then I switch it up on them. And I remember saying to them, I'm like, "Um, I'm going to trust God for this. 
Went up to a camp, uh, knew the guy who owned a camp, said, hey, I don't need anything. I'm just going to be here fasting and praying. And he let me out of a cabin, and I was in this cabin. And I spent a weekend fasting and praying. And I said, God, I just, I'm just going to trust you that you got this. And I came down, and I uh, started school. And uh, was in school for five years. I worked full-time. My church stepped up and had a program that if I would serve the church, so I was Pastor Rufus every Sunday for five years to the little kids program, Pastor Rufus. That was my job. Five years, every Sunday, Pastor Rufus. They paid 20% my first year, 30% my next year, 40 and then 50%, 50% of my tuition my last two years. I got grants because the lady in the financial office would look for grants for me that I would apply for, meaning that I had no education, no whatever, no whatever, but they would make sure I got grants. I was the kid that if I had extra $5 in my pocket, I'd go to the financial aid office and put it on the counter, just put towards my account. I traveled for the school. They allowed me to have one tuition, one semester of tuition for free. Five years of college, listen to me, five years of college, not can afford it. I graduated with $1,000 in debt that I paid off within two months of graduating debt-free. Was it easy? Was, did I just get truckloads of money just given to me? No, I had to work every day. I had to work really hard. I had to make sure I was doing these things. I worked for UPS. I was the guy that was um, working at UPS um, loading trucks. Had to get up at 3 in the morning and get done at 7. I would go to my first class just covered in sweat because I just got off of a shift. But can you imagine how many young people we would say, God has you if you'll just put your focus on him. I graduated with $1,000 in debt. Done. Paid it off. Folks, God wants to do so much more if we'll trust him. This is not about you giving to the church. This is about you being set free from all of this anxiety and worry about the things that God goes, I got that covered if you'll just let me take care of it. I got it. This one, you guys are like, why is he doing this? This is the beginning of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now that means I shall not be in want. Here's what's funny. I'm telling you right now, no sheep worries when they have a shepherd. Because shepherds make sure the sheep got fed and taken care of and protected by night. Do you hear what that is saying? The Lord is my shepherd. I'm good. He's got me. He's going to protect me. He's going to make sure I get fed every day. He's going to make sure I get to the watering hole every day. The Lord is my shepherd. Proverbs 37 through 9. Two things I ask of you, deny them not me before I die. This is a, this is a, a question. Watch the, watch the heart of this. When I first read this as a high schooler, um, I went, wow. Watch what this proverb says. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Watch this. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. This is what this person is asking for. Keep me right where you feed me what is needful for me. Because in that, I will not get too much and turn my back on you because I think I, I, think I have it and I'm good. Or I might become too poor and then steal and make a mockery of your name. It's asking to be content with what God gives you. 
Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 12. He who loves money will not, will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. It is also vanity. By the way, there's never enough. Let's just, let's just all agree. There's never enough, right? Never enough. Sorry, there's never enough. I have a friend of mine. His parents uh, are fairly wealthy. And so um, they were saying one time, they're like, well, yeah, we take private planes, but we share the plane. So we're not really wealthy like the really wealthy people. I'm going, oh, you share your plane. Okay, good. Let's move on. Now, um, it's all perspective, right? Oh, no, the really wealthy, they own their planes. We share a plane. Look, Southwest, thank you, Jesus. Moving on. All right, here we go. When good goods increase, they increase who eat them. Isn't it true? When goods increase, increase, they increase who eat them. Every company, by the way, that has expanded, gone, hey, great, we're expanding. More people to feed, more people to take care of, more things to have to do. More money, more problems. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his, um, to see them with his eyes. Sweet is the sleep of the laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Why? Bigger issues. If you're a laborer, punch the clock, go home, sleep. Own the company, not so much. I'm not telling you not to be a company owner. I'm telling you to be a company owner that makes it about being about the kingdom so that God takes care of all these things so you can sleep. Ecclesiastes 2, 24 through 26. There's nothing better. Oh, stop. I want you to grab this. This is the wisest man on the earth. This is the wisest man who, by the way, didn't plant gardens. He planted forests. He didn't build houses. He built cities. This is a man who literally, when you read through all the things that Solomon did, he goes, oh, you think you've done something? He would stomp you in the ground. Look at what he says. The wisest man, look at what he says. There is nothing better. Hold on. What did he say? There is nothing what? For a person, then he should eat and drink and find some enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. If you get to the day and you get to eat and drink and you can do your job and you can find some enjoyment in that, you are a blessed man no matter if you're king or the janitor. To go home and go, wow, I did a good job today. I enjoy what I was able to do today. And I'm going to sit down this meal and I'm going to drink this drink. God says there's not, I mean, God says through Solomon, there's nothing better. And we keep thinking it's better if I was drinking out of a gold chalice instead of a paper cup. Really? For apart from him, who can eat or who can find enjoyment? Did you hear that? Apart from God, who can eat and who can find enjoyment? So people will just keep stuffing themselves, thinking they're finding enjoyment when they could have all they need in Jesus Christ himself. For the one who pleases him, sorry, For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting. (laughs) Did you see that? But to the sinner, he has given him the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity, a striving after wind. So here's what he's saying. If you're a sinner, you're going to give and collect, and you're just going to give it to somebody who, by the way, is going to turn around and please God. So God's going to get paid no matter what. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. 
Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Watch this. I have what? Learned. Folks, this doesn't happen by osmosis. This is a learning process to trust him when you can't believe. Because I'm telling you, he goes, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Why? Trust God. He's got me covered. He'll take care of it. He's not going to let me go more than I can handle. He has this. Verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Why did I give you that message? I'm not telling you to give more to the church. I'm telling you to put your treasure where your heart is. I'm telling you that God asks for so little when it does come to his tithe and his offering. I don't know why you're not giving back to him because by giving him the first fruits, you actually have a way. You listen to me. You have a physical, tangible way to say, God, I trust you that you sustain me. Now, listen, there's people in this room that are not going to like what I'm going to say next. I don't care if you don't give here. I want you to experience what happens when you make his kingdom the focus and he starts taking care of all of this. If you think that I'm giving you this message because you need to get, I want you to give to Cedars, I want to take that off the table and then give it to someplace else. Do you hear me? I'm dead serious. I would much rather have you understand the blessing of what happens when you start making his kingdom your focus and watch God come in and backfill all of your needs. Does the church have needs? Absolutely we do. Every church has needs. But I don't want to sit there and go, oh, the whole purpose of this is Jeff is trying to make sure that the church gets more money. That's not it. I want you to understand the blessing that Jesus is talking about saying, why are you anxious about these things? Make my kingdom first. I'll take care of the rest of this. Serve me. I'll take care of the rest of this. And I'm just telling you that for Jody and I, for the miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, we make sure we give first. Why? Because it's a way that we say, God, we know that you're going to sustain us, so we're going to give to you first. And then God just blows us away far more than we can imagine. Far more than we can imagine. It just happened a few weeks ago. Out of the blue, we were just like, are you kidding me? Folks, please understand me. I don't want you to give to the church. If this comes off as a a sermon of me trying to get more money for the church, then I have failed. This is a sermon of you seeing the point that when you become his disciple and you say that his treasure and what is going to happen for eternity where moth and rust do not destroy is far more better and you put your focus there, then all of a sudden God starts paying bills. God starts getting you blessed. God starts making sure that you get fed. But I will tell you this. If you're like, well, I'll just make sure I take care of these things and I try to make sure I take care of the kingdom, God goes, eh, you can't be between two worlds. This becomes kind of an all or nothing thing. And I'm just here to say to you, come challenge me. Come afterwards and go, this is why you're wrong in this. Okay. And I'll just tell you the stories of what God has done in my life. Continues to do in our lives. 
And I will tell you stories of people that have finally made this flip where they realize that their job is their mission field and they realize that they're not here to get all this world has to offer, but they're here to give back to God and then watch them be blessed. Just being honest with you. See, this is one of those things that I keep talking about. As, as a pastor, I so desperately want you to understand what you can have in Christ. But to do so, you got to take your eyes off of what is going to burn and is temporary and start putting it onto things that are going to be eternal and watch God show up where you go, wow, I didn't believe he could do this. We have a God that sustains in our needs. But you got to trust him. And you got to get your eyes off of what is going to burn and what is temporary and believe that your heavenly father, if he can feed flying rats, knows how to feed you. If he can make poppies come up on a hillside and take your breath away, he knows how to clothe you. He knows where the gold is buried. Trust him. Trust him. And I'm telling you where your heart is, God will show up to make sure that he backfills all the things you take your eyes off of. Because you can't keep your eyes on both and make it happen. So, with that, a lot to think about. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, May we be your people who trust you with everything. May we be your people that live out what we just talked about, that we would put our eyes on you, trust you, and when we do, the miracles come. I'm just telling you, God, you're amazing. You know that, but I just want to say it out loud. You're amazing. And I'm thankful for all the times you showed up in my life. I pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus.